Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. This is episode 103-103. Now, guys, I know there's a lot going on in the world with the coronavirus, but I think it's time we take an hour off from thinking about it to learn from one of the biggest and most influential tastemakers in the Chicago scene. He goes by the name of Dom Brown. Dom Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you are anything involved with the Chicago music industry, there's no doubt you've heard his name before, but I'm telling you, Dom does it all. Now, Dom is truly a multifaceted talent here in this scene. This guy actually booked me for my first festival at North Coast in 2018. He does so many awesome things for the local community here as well, whether it be putting on events, throwing parties, you name it, he's done it. This guy is also incredibly talented on the musical end. Not only is he a great DJ and producer, but he also is the lead singer of Porn and Chicken. So it's awesome to finally have all three of the guys on the show. Shout out to Five, shout out to Orville. But guys, this was an especially fun interview because we went actually over to a new venue in Chicago called Radius. If you haven't heard of Radius, it is awesome. It is down in Pilsen. It's a huge, massive warehouse type space, and they're bringing in incredible acts. A few weeks ago, I actually went to see Carl Cox, and it was unreal. Now, to go there and see all the lights on and do this in one of the green rooms and really see the place for what it is, it was amazing. Don's been heavily involved with Radius, so it was so awesome to hear from his perspective the journey that they've been on. Now, I don't want to spoil too much, guys, because Dom has over a decade of experience in the music industry, and he has so many good stories. This was an absolute blast, and I'm truly humbled to have him on the show. So without further ado, guys, let's get into it right now. This is episode 103 with Dom Brown. All right, Dom Brown. What up? Oh, man, I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Finally, I've got reschedule. Yeah, reschedule. reschedule. That's how it goes, though, right? We got busy <laughs> you know, lives. You know what's really funny? Yeah. Um, I was actually supposed to be in Berlin. <laughs> Today? Yeah, so I was going to have to reschedule again. <laughs> but the festival that I got booked for ended up getting canceled. Was that Porn and Chicken? No, it was just just me. That's amazing, though. Yeah. In Berlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you played internationally with Porn and Chicken, right? Yeah, we've been, we toured the whole, whole entire world, pretty much. Yeah, the whole world is getting affected by the fucking coronavirus right now. Man. Yeah, not really. I think it's just uh, an oversight, misinformation. I agree. Media frenzy. Well, we're here now, so let's take advantage of it. Yeah, we did it. We did it. <laughs> we did it, man. And finally, I had the last but original member of Porn and Chicken on. So I had five, I had Oracle. Oh, did you? Yeah. So it's Great. a pleasure, man. I finally got the trifecta. Yeah, the full team. You're the one who originally started it, though. That is correct. And then they were brought on. Yeah. They were. I mean, dude, Porn and Chicken is a symbol in Chicago. <laughs> it has been. I moved to Chicago like. It's about six years ago, coming up in the summer, and even before then, when I was coming to Chicago, everybody knew who Porn and Chicken was, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's we were really fortunate. Uh, we struck at the right time, and uh, we were able to create uh, a brand and create something that I feel like has expanded not just in Chicago. You see uh, other parties that uh, kind of mimic what we had 
done on which proud to be a part of that I guess yeah absolutely I mean you yourself I just want to acknowledge you're an innovator in the scene I've seen you do a lot of different things whether it be different type of music you're producing a set you're playing an event you're putting on what you're doing on behind the scenes now that I've done this this is 103 episodes. I think you've Jeez. come up in at least in at least half, man, for like <laughs> all of those different reasons, right? Like when I read RV and Alex, it came up with some event you partnered with them on. When I asked them about a unique event, when I of course talked to Fi about what you guys used to do on Mondays with fucking porn and chicken. Yeah. So kudos to you, man. I mean, thanks, dude. You make so many positive influences in Chicago, and we need more people like you. So respect yeah. to you, man. Thank you, man. Are you from Chicago? I'm actually from San Diego. Really? Yeah, I didn't so know that. I was pretty much raised in San Diego, and then I moved back to, back to Illinois when I was around, I don't know, like four, 13, 14, something yeah. like that, 14, 15, mm -hmm. I don't know. So I've been here for the last 17 plus years. Chicago's your home, though. Yeah, 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 my, all of my family's from here, my mom, dad, uh, so on and so forth, so. You go back to the West Coast a lot, though? Nah, I don't get over there very often, yeah. uh, but the, the plan is, you know, one day to retire there. Yeah? Yeah. You're already, already thinking about retirement? Not, not anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, open a little, a little bar on the beach or something. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> What's it going to be called? I don't know yet. It'll come to you. Yeah. When the we'll day see. comes. Well, you certainly fucking act like you're born and raised here, so. Yeah, man. You I'm Chicago, in, man. You <laughs> Chicago, I'm yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty as Chicago as they come. Absolutely. Man. I love the city. There's so much opportunity here, so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. When did music come into your life then? Was it already on the West Coast or when you came to Shite? Uh, I played saxophone in California, uh, dabbled in it a little bit here. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've always really been passionate about music, maybe not just making it in terms of electronic dance music, Yeah. but uh, always loved music uh, ever since I was a kid. You know, my mom always playing some of the, the golden oldies and a, a lot of my favorites, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, Motown records and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So music has always been there, and I believe that the one universal language is music. And uh, in a space, music is actually the only thing that can cause a uh, massive group amount of people, which is why I'm I like drawn to festivals. Uh, it's the only thing that can cause a massive group of people to feel the same emotion at the same time. So true. Uh, and uh, it's it's it transcends space and time and. That, that's what I find so fascinating about it. Absolutely, there's an emotional connection that everybody shares, it's it's crazy. Correct. Whether you go to like Spring Awakening Chicago or something like Tomorrowland, right? There's an Absolutely. association that everybody can get behind. Yeah, it is an association, it's a group feeling where there's a, you know, there's, it's a, it's communication without words. You know yes, I mean? yes. Uh, when music is happening, you, you can look at somebody and tell that they're feeling the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was really interesting because the other day, um, we made a post in EDM Chicago to give away some tickets for Dylan Francis. Yes, yeah, and we asked just you know what's one of your uh, favorite Chicago music memories, mm -hmm. and so many of those memories. Not only was I there for, but so what we found was a lot of the people were commenting the same things. Yeah, Spring Awakening two thousand. 12 or 13 when yeah. it was raining and Skrillex was playing and, <laughs> and the spaceship lifts up yes. you know in that moment we were all feeling the same and every, that became a monumental moment in music for so many people that were there at that that party in that bowl that experienced that moment yep. and that was all united through music which is fucking pretty rad it's so true man so that Spring Awakening those first couple years like anytime I say what was your first exposure when did you realize you love electronic music 
I'd say eight times out of ten at least from a Chicago artist, myself included. That was my first festival experience was nice. Spring Awakening. Nice. And I'm from a little town in Indian, outside Indianapolis called Zionsville, man. Like Spring Awakening at Soldier Field on the main stage is about North Pole, South Pole compared to like me going to a high school dance. So <laughs> it's just like such a special experience. And you're right. Like I think that's what kind of makes music for Chicago special as well. You know, like EDM Chicago. It's neither here nor there, but the one common theme is that everybody has shared a certain experience at a Chicago festival or club and stuff. Yeah, or they share the uh, passion for talking shit. Dude, <laughs> what is the deal? <laughs> you are funny in that group, though. You are fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm, you I troll. I, I could really give a fuck what yeah, of course. a bunch of kids have to say. But you do get good feedback in there sometimes, <laughs> it seems like, right? I mean, I think I'd be one of the only people that can actually get an honest uh, answer from anybody out yeah, of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because at this point, you know, people that are actually, you know, that, that group's made up of two types of people. Mm -hmm. uh, the kids that uh, sit behind a computer don't, don't, don't do shit. Yep. Ever. And then there's the group of people that actually go out and participate in festivals and do shit. Yeah. If you actually do shit, you wouldn't talk to me crazy. Yep. So. Absolutely. So, because at some point you're going to have to see me out. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's Those true. kids that are in that group, you know, they're respectful. But the kids that never, ever go out anywhere and never contribute to the scene. Yeah. They talk crazy. So I realize that, you know, they're not, they're not contributing anything. Why give a fuck? It's, it's, dude, it's a common thing. There are two types of people, right? The good and the bad. Yeah, it just sucks because they really could have monetized that group. Isn't there seventy thousand people in there? Or it's like, like seventy that? some some odd. I mean, it's, it's one of the big. It's one of the biggest Midwest concentrated, you know, EDM groups. Absolutely. And instead of being able to use it for good, it's just kind of gone. I don't know what it is anymore. It's it's its own thing, you know. It's EDM Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody in Chicago knows it. Yeah, right. Jeez, man. So you said your mom was raised you on Motown. When did like electronic music come into your life then? Um uh, I think the introduction of uh, electronic music was right around when I started like listening to Pink Floyd, which is experimental like rock. Absolutely. They used a lot of different uh, mediums to make the sounds that they used. Mm -hmm. Um and that was kind of my gateway and then, you know, P funk and the funkadelics and mm -hmm shit like that kind of opened that my ear to that so um but when i when i when i moved here from chicago i mean from san diego uh i was 14 or 15 and i ended up graduating uh right as i was turning 16 years old wow so i was like kind of out on my own at yeah. 16 pretty much uh i moved out of my mom's place into my first dorm room uh, which quickly moved into me uh, dropping out of school and throwing parties. Yeah. And that, when I started to s promote parties, is when I started to really get into uh, dance music and EDM, which was, uh, at the time, it was the Static Bros, which was Alex Peace, Bam Bam, Mix and Mark. Um, I was, you know, running around to parties with Derek Carter and, uh, you know, Mark Farina, and those guys were playing Days. Mm -hmm. Hiroki, House Arrest Mondays, what year was this, around? this is around like 2006. Right, okay. 2006. Uh, so a minute ago. Yeah. Um, you know, just dabbling in there, super underage, just <laughs> fucking partying. You're 17, 18 years old? 17 max. Jesus. Probably, probably closer to 16. Yeah. Uh, using a fake ID um, <laughs> and just 
ripping it on Mondays at Zintra, uh, Republic Victor Hotel. Mm. And so I fell in love with uh, house music when I heard Gabrielle by Roy Davis Jr. Mm. And that was like in 2007 or 8. Yeah. And that was pretty much it for me. So then I just started throwing parties and booking house music DJs and uh, I remember I wanted to book the Static Bros, which was Alex Peace, who used to be just, I mean, I don't even know what I'm saying, used to, who is a monumental influence. I just found a track to True Musica, man. I'm yeah. like honored. He's such an OG. Yeah, and dance music is huge, but yeah. I, I remember at the time, we were like going to Energy Nightclub, uh, and nice. like all these other fucking child raves, Medusa's Saturdays and shit. Yeah. And I, I, I was do- doing my little party at uh, Champagne Lounge. Yeah. Uh, which is where, you know, people like Jason Fora, Steve Gerrard, yeah, a lot of those kids. That's where they actually got, you know, started a little bit. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. And I wanted to book uh, Static Bros, and they were just out of my budget. And I remember saying that I would, at one point, get to a place where I could book my favorite DJs. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it was like Static Bros, Donald Glaude, type shit. You know. Of course. A lot of those names still reign king, man. I mean, I know you're close with Gene Ferris, right? Derek Carter. Yeah, those, those are my brothers. Paul Johnson, Ron Carroll, right? Brothers. Like, yeah. they're still on top, man. They still represent Chicago. Like, yeah, in my they, eyes, like, they are part of the architecture that we are so fortunate enough to enjoy. What I think about Chicago that is absolutely amazing is there is no other city in this world where you can rub elbows with the actual pioneers of the genre. Yes. You know, I and love that. all the rest of the shit that comes after the, our first generation, you know, like fucking Curtis is one of my great friends. Um, Green Velvet, you know, Derek Carter, um, the DJ Heathers, Paul Johnson's, the Steve Silk Hurleys of the world. Those people still go out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those people will show up to your gig yeah. on a Wednesday, you know. It's amazing. And, uh, the the that sense of like pretentiousness and that sense that all that shit is out the door with with the the creators that are in sh- Chicago because mm-hmm. we owe them uh, everything in terms of the you know dance music almost I agree and uh, for them to be so uh, passionate and advocate for support and just be that supportive is is it's mind blowing I'm so always special. taken back. It's well, unreal. Back. It's unreal. When I interviewed uh, Blue Nine, Michelle, she was talking about the same, very similar thing. Right? I know you know her for a long time. You yeah. came up on that interview, and they, they're the archetypes of what Chicago house music is like from your generation well, to my yeah, generation. They, I mean, they, when I say first generation, yeah, they built it. They know? did. I I was so, so fortunate to be in the booth with Frankie Knuckles, who is arguably the first person that took two eight tracks dubbed him over and made a house beat, you yeah. know? Steve Silk Hurley, who is the the second, arguably, uh, <laughs> first person to create house house music, yep. played my fucking housewarming party. Really? Like, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> That's a nice little fact. <laughs> yeah, me and Orville's housewarming uh, party when we moved into a place called the Pussy Palace. Steve Silk Hurley played it, and we had like four or five hundred people in this mansion that we used to live in. You and Orville lived in a fucking mansion together that could fit four or five hundred people? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, it was great. Holy shit. One way or another, you guys still do live in a fucking mansion together, right? 
The city's your oyster, man. Yeah, he actually lives right in front of me. Of course he does. <laughs> Orville's the fucking man. Yeah, we're so, inseparable. He was, he was so fun to interview, man. He, he just did. got engaged, right? No. He didn't? No. Didn't I see a picture of him and his girl with a ring? Yeah, that was just a joke. Okay, alright, well, I fell for it. <laughs> That's his type, of, his type of humor, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. More so her type of humor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, I actually, when I interviewed him, it was at Serenity Bass Fest, and he shows up on his fucking motorcycle, right? And the gig got canceled early, so he showed up there. Yeah, I was I was on my way when that gig got canceled. Yeah, I know. So he shows up, and they're in fucking, you know, these biker outfits. I'm like, let's fucking do this, man. <laughs> it was actually such a fun interview. We were in a fucking goat barn, but... Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. It was fun. It was fun. He's a funny guy. But it's, it's interesting. You literally just led me into my next question, man. There's so many cultural milestones that you've been a part of, like... For instance, with Gene Ferris, when he released the track with Sonny Federa and Work It, right? Like, that was a huge milestone for Tech House and Green Velvet, too, Cashmere, of course, like Percolator. What are some things that you've seen over the past decade or however long you've been involved that you think have really been milestones or turning points for taking house music to the next level? Events, artists, anything. Music, of course. What, uh, what events have I seen that, I mean... I think uh, just the shift in uh, the culture mm -hmm. altogether, uh, the way that clubs are operating, yeah, um, the way that they are kind of cornering the market and honoring what is what has been created here. Mm -hmm. Whereas we were bringing out a lot of touring artists, yeah, from all over the place, and people like Gene weren't getting headlining slots here. Paul yeah. wasn't getting. Uh, headlining slots here, you know, they weren't pushing Green Velvet like, you know, they are these days. Right. Uh, and just starting with the education of that and starting to re-implement that in places like Spy Bar and Sound Bar has really just brought uh, the integrity back to uh, Chicago. And it's it, part of, there's, there's two parts um, of being an influencer or having a club or, or being someone that makes music in Chicago. There's that that you do, but then there's also education. Mm -hmm. And it's everyone's job that has any position or foothold in this this market here mm -hmm. in Chicago yeah. to educate the generation that comes after them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and educating these people, just because it didn't make money, for a lot of people, they stopped booking it. And that caused a lot of bass music to come through here, mm -hmm. a lot of dubstep, a lot of this, a lot of that. Yeah. And those things were slamming. Yeah. And 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 for me and a lot of other people it was like, how the fuck is house not selling in Chicago? <laughs> Why the fuck aren't house music people headlining in Chicago? Yeah. And so, you know, a few years back there was this great shift of uh just influence and we started getting behind our artists again mm -hmm. and booking our artists and paying our artists and putting them on uh, the stages that they deserve. Yeah. Great parties like uh, Queen are thriving and you know things like that. Gene Ferris and friends too. Gene Ferris yeah. and friends, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the parties that Paradigm are putting on yeah. uh, with our Chicago headliners, you know. Um, Green Velvet just being just a juggernaut in the space now, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's what I think has been a great pivot point for us. Yeah. And super. Absolutely. Uh, it's a culture shift. I agree with you. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think people from your generation have, have put it upon me 
my brother's a younger generation than me, and I, he's going to fucking Green Velvet of Prism with me. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He loves that shit. Yeah. That was actually, that was such a great night when you were on the mic, dude. That was fucking, because that was, I think it was the first private label at Prism, if it I was. remember correctly. It was. And I definitely don't want to check that out, but it was like, when I saw you up there with him, and his fucking smile, man, is like. Oh my God, he's one of the funnest people. Like, this guy? Is we hung guy. out, <laughs> when, when was this, just like a couple months ago. Yeah. I think it was like around January or some shit. No, December. We hung out at his Chicago show, and then two days later, he did Detroit, yeah. La La Land, mm-hmm. and we just did that back-to-back, and I drove <laughs> down there with him to, to, like, party, and we partied for, like, those two days. Jesus. Just too much fun. Yeah. I almost ended up flying to Mexico with him the, the, for the next day. It's just fucking ridiculous. He's a lot of fun. When did you first meet him? Um, I met him years and years and years ago. Cashmere um, days? Not, not necessarily then, you know, um, but... As I was coming up in the scene, he was seeing a lot of me. Yeah. I've always been someone that hung out with the people that I, that were kind of positioned in the places that I wanted to go. Absolutely. You know, so I've always wanted to be around, you know, Diz and Gene and, uh, you know, the people that were kind of moving the scene. So I was always around a bunch of older people mm-hmm. in the industry. And as him and Derek Carter and uh, Mark Farina and... And all those guys started to see me around more. They would always be like, "There goes little Dom." You know? <laughs> and That's awesome. Long story short, you know, I partied really hard for a long time. Yeah. And he would always be like, "You better fucking slow the fuck down." So he looked out for you. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. And then we just uh, threw Mambi, um, you know, because when when we were putting Mambi together, uh, I was working closely with Lucas King, mm-hmm. and as we were putting that together, part of what I was passionate about was highlighting what comes here from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that being a Bronzeville Southside Festival, uh, where a lot of house music was made and produced, it was important Absolutely. to us to uh, magnify and exaltify uh, what was happening on the Southside in Greenville. It still lives on the Southside. Yeah. And so we celebrated 25 years of um, yes. casual records. I remember at, that, yeah. Forgot. At Mambi. And we filmed a documentary leading up to that, and that was uh, something that I kind of thought of that just had him taking us around, you know, some of the places that were huge for him, the mm-hmm. radio station where he used to intern at and some of the places he used to throw undergrounds at. And through that, we just became super duper close. That's awesome, Just super man. close. Cause he's, he's uh, such an inspiration. So I call him uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's he call you? Yeah. Well, nephew. Nephew. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> Yeah, wow. but most of the time he calls me his manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's how he gets me into places. <laughs> Dude, shout out to fucking Green Velvet, man, because he's a force to be reckoned with. He's an incredible producer, awesome label. He's the best label boss there is. He's just like a guy that you want to be friends with, right? He's not just yeah. like, always oh, Green Velvet. It's like, he's a good person. Yeah, I mean, you're constantly laughing around the I, I was on. I've been on Holy Ship twice, and he was on both times. You know, he's like Claude. He's like walking around talking to people. I got a selfie with him, and he's wearing this big muscle outfit. <laughs> And like I took a picture with him, expecting him to like walk away. He keeps talking to me. And yeah, I'm like, he's great. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, this guy wants so to like get a drink. Sure. So we took a shot. And I was like, God damn it! Like <laughs> this is unbelievable. Yeah. Did he buy? Usually he'll, he'll, he did. Yeah. And then, and then he goes, he goes, I I can afford to pay for it. The percolator's still selling records. <laughs> <laughs> That's his favorite Dude, fucking line. <laughs> percolator is still selling it's, records. It's hot. It's, it's still selling records. It's That's, unbelievable. That's his fucking favorite line, right? Oh my god, what a great joke. That delivers. 
<laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, somebody like him and Lee Foss, who are just like, to me, Chicago staples, guys who really just have, have rose above all of that stuff that you're talking about, right? The rhythm, the dubstep, the trap. Yeah. Really like the the ebbs and flows of those when house music has always gone like this, right? Yeah. So I, I totally vibe with you on that, man. Um, great answer, by the way. Thanks. And you knew the right person to ask that question. <laughs> I know how much you love house music. Yeah. Uh, but I want to ask you about porn and chicken, man. So you were the original guy, and then if I remember the story correctly, Orville and Phi came on shortly after, right? But you were doing the party on your own. Uh yeah. So I started the party back in two thousand and. Fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> like 2009, I yeah. think, at the time. Uh, Chicago was really hot for uh, weekday parties at the time. There was like uh, rehab going on, Let's Get Weird was on mm-hmm. Wednesdays. Um, there was Trap House. No, Trap House wasn't going on. Then. Um, something something else like going on on Thursdays. It was, you know, Rhino was jumping all these different yeah. places. And right. I had just gotten a start in the city at a place called Risque Cafe. Yes. And the special there, uh, because I, I, I was hired to do the marketing, uh, was uh, $6 all you can eat chicken. And we were playing great deal. Class B smut films. Yeah. <laughs> and I just moved to the city from the Burbs. And so all the crew that I kind of hung with in, this, in the Burbs were making their way to the city. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, you know, I got this this thing on Mondays, you know, why don't you guys just kind of pull up? And uh, two weeks before it happened, I was at a place called Clybar, and I saw Orville, I was doing some unsavory things in the bathroom, and I came out <laughs> of the bathroom, and I saw this dude with a mohawk yeah. shredding and mixing on a Guitar Hero <laughs> controller. Oh, Jesus, that's and amazing. He was just like going crazy, and I walked up to him, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck you do or who you are, man, but you gotta come play at my party at this bar. Yeah. And so Orville came over and played, and I was like, all right, I need you here every week. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And then, uh, so we started doing the party, and two weeks after we started doing the party, the place was at maximum capacity. And uh, I had started it with my f- good friend at the time, uh, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Mandy is what everybody knows her by. She was one of the bartenders there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I then, you know, two weeks into the party, we used to have these giant windows. The windows are open, you know, and this, this fucking powerhouse walks by. And it was like, yo, I don't know what you do, but uh, I need you to, you know, come bartend this party. Your look is great. And she was like, I don't bartend, but I do this. And that turned out to be ammunition. And so then we started having ammo grind sparks on the bar every Monday. Shit. Yeah. And then so two weeks after that, it was me, Orbo Mandy Ammo, Dan Dwyer at the time. Uh, they used to go by uh, Macabre Monster, mm-hmm. something like that. So then uh, we get shut down. <laughs> Uh, by the city for being over capacity. Uh, and so there was the guy that I worked for on the bar that was next door. Mm-hmm. I need to make this story short. So okay. so, so we, 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 uh, we built a door to the bar next door so we could double the capacity. Right. Uh, we got shut down again. 
And so at that point, the owner, who's a good friend of mine, was like, you know, it's it's just costing us too much too much money. Yeah. And you know, people were like swinging from the ceilings and like the rafters. We were spraying champagne. The walls were covered. It was just like the, we were destroying this dude's <laughs> fucking pinup bar. And so <laughs> we had to find a place to go. And yeah. God bless Eric Ballard. Uh, he was the general manager of Evil Olive at the time. And so we set up a meeting with Eric Ballard and. Uh, Matt, uh, Tommy, and Jay, who mm-hmm. owned Three Headed. Right. And we went in there with our list of demands, you know. <laughs> you know, and at the time it was like, you know, we demand a case of PBR for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we demand to keep at least 50% of our door. Right, you know? right, right. And they were like, dude, yeah. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And after so many places, it told us no because they were just like, Corn and chicken. Right. Like, what the fuck? We had a following already, though, that. Oh, we did. We did. And when we moved to Evil Olive, uh, that first week, I remember Kelly Osborne and Sharon Osborne showed up. What? So fucking random. (laughs) Like, so fucking random. (laughs) I didn't even come up with something more random. Yeah, so uh, Kelly Osborne and Sharon are there. The party is just going wild. Yeah. And, uh, that rumor had just gotten out that like shit was crazy over there and then from that moment on we just began to sell out Evil Olive it was packed every single Monday wall to wall yeah 300 plus kids every um, time every single fucking time and you guys are bringing so many different types of talent too I asked Herbal a lot yeah yeah I mean once we started to grow the party to we we sat back and we said, you know, we really need to make this a business mm-hmm. and we really mm-hmm. need to monetize this. Right. And so we began to take all of that money and we bought all the rights to corn and chicken. And we had, the, you know, the actual lettering that our logo in, is in is called corn and chicken. We had it huh. created. And wow. So that we owned uh, even that. And if people use that, we could... You know, sue them for using our likeness. And Damn. We began to just kind of really focus on how can we make this a business, and we were literally one of the first touring parties uh, when we opened up Porn Chicken Dallas, Porn Chicken Hawaii, Porn Chicken Tokyo, Porn Chicken uh, Denver, Porn Chicken Milwaukee, yeah. and we were literally flying around the world. Doing these porn and chickens quarterly, porn and chicken Vegas monthly. Yeah. Uh, flying out to Hawaii, uh, Tokyo, and uh, New York at Webster Hall, and yeah. so once we started to do that, then it was like, how do we take this to the next level? You right. Know? Uh, because nobody really at the time wanted to put just a party onto a festival stage. Right. Makes sense. Orville's always been super inclined in music, and he's. You know, one of the best Ableton instructors Certified. I personally, personally yeah. feel in the world. Uh, and so then we had made our first song ages ago called uh, Take Your Shirt Off. Yeah. And through touring, we met a guy named Justin Tranter, who is actually now the number one songwriter in the world. Um, he's got more number ones than anybody. Justin Bieber, uh, Selena Gomez, Cher, uh, Elton John, like he writes for the stars. Our first actual production is with him on the vocals. He used to be. Uh, he toured with Lady Gaga, which is how we met him when he was in Semi Precious Weapons. Mm-hmm. And we did like a, uh, a West Coast tour with him. And uh, 
so our first record is called Let It Bleed yeah. with Justin Trancer on the vocals. And it's Dude. a super like um, progressive type track. You're being very humble. That's fucking awesome. It was super cool. Yeah. I mean, super cool. Shout yeah. out Justin Trancer. Yeah. But that, you know, and then from there, once we started to make music, that is really when um, things really started to take off. You, you know? send it, yeah. We were named the number two party in the nation by Herb Magazine, which at the time was huge. And then Thrillist uh, added us to the top 10 tourist things to do in August. Tourist things to do? Yeah. Well, yes. The top 10 must things, must do things uh, in Chicago. Yeah. And then we just began to win these crazy awards and we were getting the attention of like Playboy and Maxim and then we were like on the cover of the Red Eye on the, on the front page of... Uh, the reader, it was it was just like the super domino effect. Whereas a lot of people were telling us no, mm-hmm. now they all have to tell us yes. Yeah, and it was three times the cost. So yeah, you know, and then we did this tour with Red Bull, and after that, that was really when things just skyrocketed. And then I remember Five saying, "You guys basically we got too big for Evil Olive." Then you took it to the mid, right? Yeah. So. That was, you know, after eight years of running this party at Evil Olive. And when I tell you that we walked in Evil Olive and it was a dump. And uh, over the years, through the money that they made, they were able to remodel the entire fucking place. But every week it was getting to the point where, you know, the back room was full, the front room was full, the upstairs was full. And, you know, just the capability wasn't wasn't there anymore. And we wanted to... Take the brand to a place where it could exist synonymously with other things that were so great. Uh, and so the mid was was that place. The mid was crushing. Yeah. And so it was like let's you know let's go a step further. Um, and you know really honestly at that point I was already kind of like it's time to start letting this thing kind of coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should focus on music. Yeah. Excuse me more instead of the party. And the mid was the first perfect place to do that. Of course. I mean, moment of silence for the mid. Yeah, I, miss <laughs> it. I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. I know that place means a lot to you. I want to I wanna know, like, why is a place like the mid so significant in Chicago? Like, why is it going to be remembered? Um, It's significant because it gave a lot of the respect to the locals that it deserved. Um, a lot of people like Zebo, mm-hmm. Gatman, um, a lot of people that curated there like Martin Malefactor um, they were able to cut their teeth in a venue that was getting national recognition yeah. where a lot of places once they get on the map they forget about the people that um, move the scene mm-hmm. you know and the respect of having Zebo open for the biggest DJs in the world um, is the respect that he deserves yeah. being direct support for those yeah. and not carrying support for those and um, in that space, a lot of people were able to level up to the identity that they deserved. And yes. because of that, um, you know, a lot of people felt um, grounded in a sense, felt like it was a home because you've seen so many familiar faces make, make their way in there. It was like a family reunion by the end of it, man. Yeah, it was great. I miss it. And that's, and that's, well, you walk around there, you know, the bartenders, you know, the DJs, right? You know, the people yeah. and... Yeah. You had your spot. I had my fucking spot. 
have so many fucking memories. Yeah, definitely like a there. Cheers kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, Chicago cheers. nightlife Cheers. Yeah, for sure. I know, man. And now fast forward, we're sitting in one of the green rooms of Radius, right? Like, yeah, this is like a mid on steroids. Dude, risque cafe, the fucking Radius, man. I mean, a lot happens in ten years, man. Yeah, I mean, dude, congratulations again. I mean, you've got skin in the game here, like you said before we got on air. Yeah, How it's it's, here now? it's pretty awesome to uh, kind of. Um, navigate the scene, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, another big thing that's you know beautiful about Chicago is you're able to uh, utilize uh, the, the landscape uh, to progress, mm-hmm. and uh, to where you can progress is limitless. Truly, you know, um, there's a lot that I can't say, uh, obviously, just for the sake of keeping it secret. Yeah, but you know, I've been fortunate enough to be become partner and some really cool things that mm-hmm. are going to reshape uh, Chicago and nightlife and you know how people consume the experience and yeah I'm just super excited about those things I'm just excited for Chicago you know everything you're saying to me it, it, it kind of sounds like the definition of luck when opportunity makes preparation man you prove it I don't believe in luck right I, you, I believe you, in opportunity exactly exactly that, that's why it's, it's confusing <laughs> to me it's like people say oh you're lucky it's like no, I've just worked hard. Correct. And you've taken steps. Like, you're on board, man, because you have a vision, you have a touch on the scene, you have an idea of what to do and how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just always trying to learn. Yeah. You know? um, and I'm just a big fan of being a doer rather than a sayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, if, I, if I want something, I'm just going to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. And what I want it just so happens is to see everybody else succeed. Yeah. And so I, I hustle to put myself in positions mm-hmm. to uh, give people yeses mm-hmm. where I always heard no. Absolutely. I think you exemplify the difference between drive and ambition, right? Everybody has ambitions, but there's right. a difference in actually fucking doing it. Yeah. Working. Absolutely. It's awesome, man. I mean, I went to Carl Cox. Shit was fucking wild. It's the first time in seven years he's been here, man. It was like, great. That was a monumental moment. You know, when people look back uh, years from now, they're going to say, do you remember sold out Carl Cox yes. at Radius? You know, he's going to remember that too, man. Yeah. He, I think he famously has said many things, of course, but he's going to DJ literally until he dies. Yeah. I think he's going to come back here. I, I think he would. I think he had a great time. Uh, he was actually not feeling that great. Really? Uh, yeah, but he got up there and the energy in the room really, you know, kept him going. And it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful show. It's going to, it's going to be a part of history in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you bring in a lot of different acts too, right? Like you got Lil Wayne coming. Mm-hmm. Bring it in El Row. I bought yeah. my tickets right fucking away for that man. Yeah, we just sold out Doja Cat too. Yeah, awesome. I just yeah. saw that right, like on yeah. a Wednesday night or something. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just great. You showed a Cermak call where Camel Fat's going to be playing, the Warehouse Initiative. Yeah, and, and it is a very much a warehouse. In that <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's going to fucking bang in there. Dude. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's awesome, man. I mean, dude, that's so exciting for Chicago. It's like a fucking injection of, like, fun. It's what we needed. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. So, shout out to everybody on the Radius team, you and everybody involved, man. Yeah, like, dope. I've only heard amazing things, by the way, just yeah. from, like, a third-party perspective, by the way. We're calling it like Voltron, you know? The team that we have here has assembled and it's just a powerhouse team. Dude, yeah. You guys are like the Avengers. It's fucking... <laughs> <laughs> like, you were in your own Marvel movie. Mike, like, is in his own Marvel movie. You guys are all coming together and it's like, 
Yes. Yeah, it's pretty fun shit. Yeah, you're taking down fucking EDM Chicago, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. But you're doing something really unique, too, that I like. It's your new Wake and Bake series. Yeah. Tell us about that. When you started it, why you wanted to do it. Um, everybody knows that I love to get high. <laughs> uh, there's seldom hours in a day where I'm yeah. not stoned. Yeah. And uh, I'm really just passionate about cannabis education and mm-hmm. uh, the cannabis space. Yeah. Um, I threw the first uh, legal smoking party on January 1st to celebrate. Windy City um, Smoke Out? Windy City Smoke Up. It was up. great. Smoke Windy up. City Smoke Up. Like that. Uh, yeah, it was fucking great. You know, sold it out, 600 people. Uh, but that whole entire time, uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, somebody's going to need to start being the first to do a lot of firsts in this market. Yeah. And so uh, I've always been heavy on the content curation side, always uh, conceptualized most of our porn and chicken music videos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we hosted our uh, porn and chicken TV uh, RIP because I got taken down by YouTube really? uh, over a hundred thousand subscribers Fuck. Um, but you know always creating content and so um, Obviously because I know cannabis companies have a lot of fucking money. Yeah I like, <laughs> I'm just gonna be the first to create a lot of their a lot of these things and then I'm just gonna go and sell it to these cannabis companies Yeah, so uh, the ultimate goal is to get paid for smoking weed <laughs> Props to that. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. For those that don't know, can you explain exactly what the legalization situation is for Illinois right now? Yeah, so it's recreational for mm-hmm. anyone that's 21 plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can consume in your private property uh, or in a private space. Mm-hmm. There will be consumption spaces soon. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, recreational and you know, all of our dispensaries are opening up for recreational purposes, not just... Uh, for card holders mm-hmm. and uh, the, the space is getting really crazy now because we have all of these cannabis companies that want to do so much yeah, and they just don't know who to talk to so if you're out there and you uh, want to play in the cannabis space get on it right now they got money to, money to blow it's true man and there's a lot of layers like people who smoke weed know about this type of stuff right like hemp like all you can make from that all yeah. of course CBD CBD is like my mom uh, you know when I was growing up don't ever smoke weed don't do this she's gonna love this but she loves CBD right like yeah. I go home and she's like you want some CBD I'm it's like are you offering era, me man. are you offering me CBD right now yeah. she's like yeah open your mouth like yeah. drips it I'm like what the fuck yeah times are changing dude it's crazy times are changing it's, a, it's an exciting time definitely. yeah it's really funny though man I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, I was laughing my ass It's off. It's pretty great. You know, I expected it to be received well. It's, like yeah. I was telling you earlier, it's hard to keep people's attention. For it's sure. a three-minute video, but, like, it got to the point where, like, my mom, aunts, and uncles were like, oh, my God, this is so fucking good. Like, because <laughs> like, there, there's two types of uh, cannabis content. Yeah. There's the content where you just come off like a dumb stoner. Yes, which is you most. <laughs> which is like, yeah, yeah. Which is like most of it. And then there's this like. Yeah, 26 tabs in a minute. Yeah, type yeah it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm actually like a cannabis sommelier. Like, yes. You know what I mean? And yes, it was like, I yes. want to come off as like knowing like an aficionado, you know what I yes, mean? Yes, so absolutely. I think that, that the content has a lot of like legs to go so far. Absolutely. Because people are just so dumbfounded by the space, and then they're like, oh my god, this is actually funny, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> some people have wine cellars, some people have weed cellars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good for you, man. Are you going to have guests on the show and everything? Yeah, I mean, I can't really tell you whom, but, you know, I know that one of our guests uh, is, you know... Elon Mike. Musk? 
<laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I, would love I was actually at um, a, a meeting today in a, in a really uh, great space for uh, the year in Chicago Music, which is a non-for-profit mm -hmm. that is focusing on the resurgence and uh, refocusing the attention on Chicago music people. Mm -hmm. And the fucking commissioner was there. It's awesome. And he walked up to me and was like, yeah, so when am I going to be a guest on your show? Are you shitting yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. yeah, which was fucking just like, oh my God. <laughs> that must have hit hard. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I was cracking up too. Jesus <laughs> Christ, man. That's unbelievable. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Well, keep doing your thing with that. It's really funny. It's really entertaining. Yeah, we're going to keep it going. Yeah, I mean, you know, sitting behind a camera, especially by yourself, can be a difficult thing because you have to put yourself in the eyes of the viewers, right? Yeah, so. it's also hard to do when you're stoned. Yeah, <laughs> you kept your composure, man. It was so funny. And one more than the next topic after this, but I can talk about it all day. It's like things I like to do when I'm high. One, get more high. Like, <laughs> first things first. He knows what he wants, man. This is a man of pure will. He gets it. <laughs> Thinking clearly, this guy fucking does it. Yeah, love it, man. Uh, now, so you've done a lot of different things with like festival promotion and events and stuff. And a common topic that I think you and I can agree on is that electronic music or music in general is a lifestyle, right? And I think it's happened a lot over the past 10 years as festivals have grown. Um, and now that we're into 2020 in this new decade, it's really a part of life, right? Um, what do you think is in store for this next decade in regards to where it's going with music, with live music, all those types of things? How will the lifestyle continue to grow? Uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a pretty interesting question. It's hard to say. Um, sure. I mean, it's, it's getting more immersive, you yeah. know, uh, the way that dance music culture is working it's uh you know uh it's starting to kind of branch out to different uh aspects of life you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah and as that happens i think we're going to be hopefully in store for a healthier lifestyle mm -hmm. in dance music um and it being more widely accepted yeah and more you know it, people always say you know mainstream is sellout but mainstream is the point. Yes. You know, uh, and so I think we're, what we're going to look at is more of uh, it, less of it being a subculture and it just being a part of culture. Yeah. Um, which is the ultimate goal for anything. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? To where uh, you know festivals and festival lifestyle is common, common, uh, common culture, common topic. Yeah. A uh, common place. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where we're headed here. You hear a lot of uh, EDM collab style music on pop radio now. Absolutely. Um, you're hearing a lot more about the the health uh, and mindfulness and mental health space from EDM artists. And uh, the festivals aren't just, you know, hard dance music festivals. Even in those spaces, you have safe spaces and attentive and mindfulness spaces for uh, people of all different genders, uh, walks of life, it's starting to be more inclusive. Yeah. And I think um, the more inclusive it gets, the more commonplace it becomes. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think the combination of collaborations, like what you do with Horn and Chicken, right? Like Orville will tell me, incorporating the live guitar and stuff, you see that more and more with all different types of electronic music. Yeah. Um, what's your perspective from an international standpoint, though? Like when you did tours with Horn and Chicken, right? Yeah. Their, their culture is... They're light years ahead of us. Light years, right? They're light, light years, light years. Like they're so fucking... It's insane. They're so far ahead of us. So, uh, in terms of that, yeah. hopefully we can just catch up there. Yeah. 
Because, uh, the UK, their their culture is just so beautiful and accepting, and yeah. it's based around you know the true plur and love and that type of shit is where you know uh, needs to become commonplace here in America. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's 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 transcending as a lot of people just go to different parts of the world with how you can get to different parts of the world. It's getting yeah. easier and easier. So yeah. I totally agree with you. And something like again, like El Ro coming to Chicago, coming to the United States, huge. That's that's a cultural phenomenon like in my eyes it's huge it's huge so that, that's not man <laughs> I wish I could fucking tell you that's not the only one man <laughs> oh my god we got one up our sleeve that's gonna blow fucking minds I got chills I don't even know what <laughs> <laughs> I just got chills I don't even know yeah, what El Ro is, is great but man, we, we got one coming from across the pond that's gonna be fucking okay alright well, sit tight I'll sit tight. I'll just wait right here. I'll wait right here while the green room's getting built. <laughs> Maybe someone will mention it on their way in and out. I love it, man. So for someone who's given a lot of opportunities to others, whether it be something as simple as booking someone at Porn and Chicken, you actually booked me for my first festival, Silent Disco in North Coast. Mm-hmm. So I know I've thanked you, but thank you again. That was an extremely significant time in my life, man, just to like get that experience. So my point is you've given a lot of opportunities to people. What would be your advice to DJs, producers, event curators trying to get in the scene? Um, my advice is typically always the same. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go around kissing ass to a bunch of people that aren't going to do shit. You know, and mm-hmm. if you're going to be around people that are going to do shit for you, I, I always say it makes no sense to sit at a dinner table and eat with a bunch of people that are going to go out and say, I fed him. Yeah. You need to go around and... and, and affix yourself to dinner tables that are happy to feed you that, yeah. that understand that feeding you is feeding them uh, position yourself with people that you aspire to be like mm-hmm. uh, and uh, position yourself in places you aspire to go mm-hmm. all this oh you know it's great to go to a DJ meetup but half of those motherfuckers aren't going to call you yeah. they're not going to follow <laughs> up with you yeah. they're not going to book you they're not going to play your music yep. you know Get yourself around the people that will. Yeah, and you've spoken at a lot of those too. Yeah, it's it's a similar concept, right? Like, yeah, it's they're great. It, it's yeah. a great networking thing, but getting caught up in that is uh, sometimes yeah where where people meet their glass ceiling. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Keep your head down and and focus on your work and your craft and yeah. and fo- hone in on your brand and your opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, create them for yourself. Yes. A lot of people have this idea that. You know, once they do X, Y, and Z, these doors will open. If people are not opening the doors for you, build the fucking door yourself and then open it. Amen, man. I did the same thing. It was like a year and a half ago. I want to start playing some house shows. It's obviously competitive here because there's so much talent. I was like, what am I doing? I'll just throw up my own party. Yeah. Right? How many yeah. times did that go through your head? Like, that's, that's I'll book the DJs. I'll work with the owner. Right. I'll yeah. sell the tickets. I'll promote it. That's the way to go, man. Yeah. That's the way to go. You know, you, you, you always can create the opportunity for yourself and then, you know, you make space for others. Yeah. I, and I, I love that. Like booking other people and coming up with the set times and really like being the general of the night. So yeah, it feels great. It's awesome. It's so much fun. And it's, it's such a genuine connection when you give people those opportunities, right? They're like, yeah. I have a friend who came from Indy. He wants to play a house show. I know he's a great house producer. He can't just come to Chicago, right? And yeah. I can't, so, and yeah, you're add, you're adding to the this rich culture that is Chicago, mm-hmm. and you know when years from now you can look back and say you know I was a part of that you know yeah. I 
I started something there. I yeah. I left my mark. I you know I made my imprint in a big city like Chicago. Yeah, which absolutely. Which is awesome. It's so special. This city is, is so welcoming to people, but you couldn't have said it better, man. And it's 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 about like really putting your best foot forward with people that are going to extend the hand as well. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that are going to try and stab me in the back or like not follow up again driving ambition right there's a lot of people who show up to and nothing against the dj meetups but expect they're going to go and then no there's, there's no, gigs nothing against this. this no yeah yeah and, and a lot of those spaces it, it's it becomes harder and harder to protect your energy yeah in those spaces because a lot of people don't know um the difference and yeah a lot of people you might encounter are uh, their only intention is to use you yeah as a stepping stone yeah. And, and, and in those spaces, sometimes you end up with uh, friends. You you end up with with users that are in the disguise as friends. Yes. And uh, that that's that's why you know that those spaces are great, mm-hmm. but you need to be you you have to be more focused on your approach and your attempts and who you're doing those with and who you're working with. You gotta really protect your your your, your energy in those Absolutely. spaces. And in one way or another you will learn the hard way eventually. Yeah. For sure. No matter what, right? Yeah. It's like when your mom says don't do this, but you're like, fuck that and then you learn. Yeah. It's as simple or it's as difficult as it might be. For sure. Absolutely, man. Now I don't wanna miss any of your events, but some of the biggest ones you're a part of I wanna talk about real quick. Pride in the park, right? All the react events, spring awakening, party cruises, underground events, country. I mean, dude, it, you you do it all, you've done it all, I don't even know, like <laughs> You, there's always something that you bring to the table. I you did a, an event at Smart Bar recently, like yeah, I played awesome. I played Queen at Smart Bar. That's awesome. That was so much fun. That's awesome. That's great. I mean, that's an international party, right? Like, it is. Mix Mag did a review of uh, Derek Carter. In Chicago. Yeah, it's Queen. currently the the number one party in Chicago, reigning champ. You know, dude, it's awesome. It's great. It's Anybody who's never been to that, you gotta go at least Absolutely, one time. Absolutely, man. It it's, is. It is. Mind blowing. It is. It's the closest thing to Boom Boom Room that anybody will ever get to yeah. experience. And Smart Bar, everybody who runs everything there. I went to the 23 hour party this year. And yeah. I it's saw legendary. Some, I saw some of my friends, friends play a techno set from 6 p.m. to 7.30, and it was slammed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, this is like what it's all about. So yeah. props to everybody there. But I want to know, man, I mean, like, what's either been some of your favorite parts you've done, and what have you done that you've been involved in to make them unique? Um, I mean, my touch, my my uh, my approach to anything that I do is what makes it unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always attentive to the marginalized, uh, whether it be people of color, people of different gender mm-hmm. identity. Um, those things are important mm-hmm. to me, and highlighting and giving those people safe spaces to uh, shine <coughs> is something that is important to me. Working closely with communities uh, and giving back, philanthropy is something that's also important to me. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the three years that we did Mandy, we were able to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, we helped build a community center over there. Um, those types of things are not just doing music and events, but how can you um, influence and change uh, neighborhoods mm-hmm. and uh, influence and change uh, the city that you're in. And so utilizing those things, uh, be, being with Dusty, who's another partner that I work with uh, over at Dream Bright, we were the first ones to ever do a Pride Festival in Grant Park. It's awesome. Ever. You know, so 
um, moving the city forward is what's important. That's the that's what I'm excited about. That's so awesome. everything that we're doing or everything that I have my hands in right now is to move us forward. I mean, you really do a great job with man. Like you get <laughs> safe space. That's come up a lot of different times and. Smart bars a place that obviously is like that's their thing. The bottom of their emails, it's like basically that. It's mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you're from, who you are, your gender, your sexuality, whatever it might be, you're welcome. Yeah, but I feel like you're the type of guy who wears your heart on your sleeve in that regard, man. I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it it, it wasn't the easiest growing up, uh, black and queer. Yeah. So, um, I know that struggle, and I just wish to make it easier on others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you do the service everybody who needs. <laughs> A supporting a support man sweet that's awesome that's awesome well what's what's coming up this year we got spring awakening right yeah we're getting Burns. ready we're getting ready to announce spring awakening which is really exciting we're getting ready to announce the pride in the park uh, lineup as well awesome um i've got a new venue that i'm opening that mm-hmm. i'm a partner in that is really going to blow people's fucking minds <laughs> um everything that we have going on here at radius uh, we've got some great bookings at Prism. Uh, you know, yeah. we're going to be getting back in the studio and working on some new music for Porn Chicken. Awesome. So, yeah, just a ton of shit, man. Yeah, you're fucking singing, man. You're crushing it. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's awesome. Fun. It's a good time. I went. I, I uh, was in Steve Jarrett's studio when I interviewed him, and uh, he was showing us some of your guys' tracks, man. I mean, that guy's like a producer like none other, but yeah. he showed us some of the ones he was doing with you and the whole album and everything, too. Yeah, it's fun stuff. Yeah, good things in the works, man. Well, yeah. again, I want to just thank you for taking the time. Behalf of Chicago, thank you for everything you fucking do. <laughs> because anything you're involved in, like, I'm coming to because it's a fucking party. Dope, dude. It's I awesome, I really man. appreciate this. I'm glad we finally got Yeah, absolutely, man. It was a great time. Thanks, Tom.